0: college football fans welcome back to another episode of the saturday six podcast i'm your host aj here with my brother tyler and we're here to recap week three of the college football season had a lot of great action a couple of upsets this past week that we're excited to talk to you about how we doing this week brother how we feeling
1: oh we're living man it was a good week very busy week i feel like uh we had a Three games going all at once. So, had
0: all the TVs set up, but
1: it was a good weekend for some college football. The season's starting to get into full swing. It's feeling good.
0: Yeah, things are starting to kind of take shape here now. You're starting to see some of the contenders emerge, some of those pretenders falling back to the pack. So, we'll be interested in watching how things continue to develop. Before we talk about the games that we picked last week, as always, just want to remind you guys. I know you're probably already doing it but if not go ahead and give us a follow on the gram on twitter at saturday6podcast we also appreciate it if you would subscribe on your podcast platforms hit that like button hit that follow button give us a rating whatever you can do to help support us we always appreciate that all right so let's get into it we picked six games against the spread last week. And like I said, we had a couple of upsets go down, a couple of games that you and I didn't see going the way that they did. But we also picked half of them correctly. So want to start with one of them that we both picked correctly. That was number seven, Penn State, going on the road against the fighting Illini. And, and we both just said it ain't happening. Right. There's just too much firepower on this Penn State offense. The defense is just too damn good final score 30 to 13 Penn State gets another big win and they're starting to look like serious contenders in the Big 10 maybe not if uh in the in the college football playoffs.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit of a slow start for both sides but Penn State's running backs did exactly what we thought that they could do. Quarterback Drew Allard looked impressive. He he's played pretty well throughout the season. Um but Illinois the, I mean not a good showing for you, but, you know, their quarterback, Altmeier, He he's pretty solid still. I mean, I, I think he did some good things out there. I think this was just a, an overmatched opponent for Illinois, and Penn State comes out with the dub.
0: Yeah, I think it was just, you know, you throw forward interceptions and you're you're, you're never going to win the game. It's just yeah. not going to happen. So Not
1: uh, all those were his fault. I mean, some were kind of tipped up into the air, but
0: – Yeah, I mean – Either way, four turnovers, whether they're your fault or not, it's just All gonna right. it's gonna be an uphill battle, right? Like it's gonna make things tough for you. And for Penn State, we see they're they're happy to just kind of sit on the ball. They'll hand the ball off to those backs a hundred times if they need to. Not super efficient on the ground, but in the end, turnovers, they had short fields, they were able to turn those into points. So uh it was a long day for Illinois. I think this is still a good program, somebody to watch out for in the Big Ten West but I am really intrigued to see how Penn State can build on this heading into uh, a Big Ten East schedule that really is just Michigan and and Ohio State at this point for the Nittany Lions. I think those are probably the two big games left, but um, definitely good to see them headed in the right direction. All right, let's go ahead and talk about one of the biggest upsets of the weekend, a game that we were both on the wrong side of, it was the showdown of the big cats, right? We talked about Kansas state ranked number 15 in the country. They were going on the road to face off against Missouri. And we were questioning this spread because it was like my, it was four and a half that the Wildcats were favored by we i like, really? Like, I feel like this should be a little bit higher. And again, it's like these big buildings out in Las Vegas, they don't build themselves, right? It's because these dudes are making money off of these spreads. So we were we were shocked to see this final score but it is what it is missouri comes out on top 30 to 27 is the final score there and the sec after not winning a ton of non conference games gets headed in the right direction with this one as the tigers and their quarterback cook just go off i mean he had like 350 yards two touchdowns it was uh it was a really impressive performance by them and the one thing i told you they needed to to really do was get the ball to Luther Burden, right? Like that's what I said in the picks pod. If you're gonna win this game, you got to get the ball to your best player, and that's Burden. 11 targets, he hauled in seven of those for 114 yards and two. Two tutties.
1: Two titties.
0: Two, two <laughs> What'd you like about that uh Missouri-Kansas State game? Did that one shock you a little bit?
1: I mean, and, and the thing is is Did Kansas State play as the number 15 team in the country? No, probably not. But they didn't play a necessarily bad game. I mean, I think the big takeaway for me is just this Mizzou team is a lot better than they were. I think that they have improved. I think, uh, you know, Coach Drinkwitz is getting his guys in there, and they can move the ball around really well. Obviously, it comes down to that last-second field goal to win the game, which sets an SEC record. 61. Um, yeah, 61-yard uh-huh. last second walk-off field goal for the win. I mean, the boy got a leg. That's as much showmanship as you need for college football for the right. weekend. Uh but this momentum's good for Missouri. It should help them. They're about to get into the heart of their SEC schedule, which it does pose a much tougher challenge for them uh so it's interesting what they can do the good thing for kansas state is it's an out-of-conference loss so it doesn't knock you too back as far as you know trying to contend with texas and oklahoma and whoever else might emerge in that big 12 conference so you know it, there there's still time to bounce back it wasn't a bad game by kansas state it was just a better game by missouri
0: yeah no i hear you like you said still everything in front of this kansas state program and Like we said in the last podcast, Missouri's always had a pretty good, pretty stout defense, and now it seems like they're starting to figure things out on offense. So this is going to be a really tough Missouri Tiger team as they head into more of these SEC slates. So we'll look out for them. All right, I want to kind of skip right over this next game, but unfortunately I cannot. (laughs) This was a game that I could not have been more wrong about. This was my lock of the week. I thought going on the road – I hadn't seen enough from LSU. They looked shaky. The secondary looked shaky. Jaden Daniels didn't look like the version of Jaden Daniels that we saw at the end of last year. And so I had a lot of questions, and this Mississippi State team had been playing well up to this point, hadn't faced a lot of tough competition, and it kind of reared its ugly head in this game. Final score, LSU 41 Mississippi State 14, those cowbells didn't do a damn thing to slow down the Tigers. Yeah,
1: Mississippi State had absolutely nothing going on on offense. I mean, it was atrocious. Their receivers aren't productive. I think their leading receiver had like 50 yards. Their running backs did absolutely nothing. They just had no productivity whatsoever. And, yes, this is a Mississippi State team, which after you know losing Mike Leach – they're completely changing up their offense. They're not an air raid offense like they used to be. So, you know, a lot of it is a lot different. Will Rogers has to learn a whole new terminology, everything else. And then LSU, I mean, they look like the best team in the SEC West and their offense looks like they're in midseason form. I think their defense was much improved. You were kind of talking, you are like, you know, we haven't seen a lot from this LSU defense. You're calling out specific players. And what are they doing? They're a sack machine. They're disrupting the quarterback. Um, They were clicking on all cylinders. This was a very impressive win by LSU. And I I think it kind of quieted the critics after, you know, maybe uh, something remained to be seen after the first two weeks.
0: Yeah, I came away with the biggest takeaway being how well Jaden Daniels played. I mean, the dude had four incompletions the entire game, over 420 yards of total offense, and four scores, two in the air, two on the ground. When you have as many touchdowns as you do incompletions, you're going to be hard to beat. And they looked like they were clicking. They looked like they were rolling on all cylinders. So that's going to be a scary team. Like you said, right now, I think preseason, they were my favorite to win the West. I was scared off of that pick a little bit after that Florida State game. But now I'm starting to lean back in the direction of this LSU team. It seems like they are figuring things out at the perfect time. So really impressed by them. Still don't have a running game to really compliment Jaden Daniels. But if he can throw on the cape and put up 420-plus yards of offense and four touchdowns every week, they may not need a running game, to be honest.
1: No, yeah. No, you're completely right. <laughs> That'll get it done. <laughs>
0: All right, let's head to the next matchup that we picked. We had a little Big Ten ACC showdown here and one that uh, we thought would be a little intriguing. The spread was was about 7.5, I think, that North Carolina was favored by. Final score, North Carolina 31. Minnesota only puts up 13 points, an easy cover by the Tar Heels. We both get that one correct. Another big day for Drake May. His receiver, McCollum, had 20 targets, reeled in 15 of those for 165 yards and a touchdown. Now, we've seen Drake Mays kind of turn the ball over a little bit early in this season. He's got to get that under control if they really want to challenge Florida State for this ACC title. But still, 400-plus yards, two touchdowns through the air, just really a great performance. And this defense is starting to kind of figure things out. We were, we were uncertain which North Carolina defense we were going to get, right? Like, is it going to be the week one defense versus South Carolina, or are we going to see the week two defense versus App State? I think it was a little bit closer to that week one defense. They looked pretty good against Minnesota.
1: Yeah, McCollum's that dude in that wide receiver room. I mean, he was freaking awesome. Still not blown away by May. Yes, he has a better game. i like to see him be more consistent with that in the coming weeks. Limit those turnovers, you know, two interceptions to two touchdowns is just a bad look. I don't care how many yards you put up. You know, if you want to be an elite offense, you got to limit those types of things. Um, but when you're playing a Minnesota team that has absolutely no passing attack whatsoever, I mean, can't complete a pass to save their life, um, then, yeah. you know, it's it works out for you. I think their defense bailed them out a little bit and made them look a lot better, too. May's getting better, but still wasn't the prove-it type of game that I thought he was going to have. I think there's still a little bit more to build on. But this kid's young. He's still got plenty of time to develop and get better, and I expect that out of him.
0: Yeah, I think think better days are definitely ahead. I mean, at the end of the day, he threw for 400 yards. They get the win. But like you said, once they go up against the Clemsons, once they go up against the Florida States, the Miamis, those better teams in the ACC – Uh, He's definitely going to have to limit those turnovers if they want to win those big games. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about our dogs, man. This was Uh, a huge, huge spread. And we both thought 27 and a half. Nah, it ain't enough. We rolled with our dogs regardless of that big old fat spread. And this one was a nail-biter, man. South Carolina is leading this game 14-3 to at half. And – you know, we had some, uh, some obligations that we had to take care of Saturday night, but we took the phones with us, man. We had the sucker pulled up and we were, we were trying to watch the, as much of it as we could, because like I said, a little bit of a nail biter there until the fourth quarter when Georgia just sort of took this game over. I thought the defense played really well. They shut South Carolina out in the second half. Obviously the offense scored 21 unanswered there in the second half to kind of pull away, but it's kind of been a tale of two halves or yeah, like the first quarter of the first three games, Georgia is not coming out and and clicking on all cylinders early. It's taken them, you know, a quarter or a half to kind of figure things out. And does that matter against UT Martin ball state, South Carolina? Obviously not, but it could matter down the road when they start playing some of these big sec games. So, um, I got a little bit of a cause for concern when it comes to the efficiency of this offense. We're not seeing Carson Beck throw the ball downfield. It's a lot of check downs. Now he's pretty efficient because they are shorter throws, but no touchdowns. And like I said, just not taking big shots down the field. Like we saw Stetson Bennett able to do last season. And it's not because the receivers aren't open. Like you see receivers wide open down the field and and they're just not getting the ball thrown to them. But, I was very impressed with how they were able to establish the run game. That was something that we were curious about. Would they be able to get that going? We said, Dejon Edwards is going to be back. That should help. And damn if it did. He had 20 carries by far, the leading rusher, 118 yards, and he punched it in for a score one time as well. I thought it was really, really big that we were able to get Edwards back to help kind of complement this passing game and take some of the pressure off of Carson Beck.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you touched on just about everything. It's really just a tale of two halves. Um, I think that Georgia came out really slow. South Carolina kind of caught them slipping. I think there was – I mean, you talk about that first drive for South Carolina, the touchdown drive, uh, the little screen that actually played that got them the touchdown, three missed tackles. I mean, I thought there were a lot of missed tackles on defense. They just kind of looked sleepy uh, to start the game. Um and then it's kind of been that way all three weeks yeah but all it takes is a little bit better offense in South Carolina to put up some points in the first half and maybe that hole is just a little bit too deep to start digging yourself out of and then you're putting a little bit more pressure on Carson Beck who's only started three games now uh, to dig you out of that hole the running backs were a bright spot I think that there's still a lot being held back in this Georgia offense. I think they're capable of a lot more that we're just not seeing. And I don't know when we do get to see that. I don't know if it isn't until we go see Auburn uh, in Auburn. That's probably when, you know, at that point, you got to put all your cards out on the table. You got to, you know, whatever you got, you're not holding it back anymore, but there's a ton of improvement. I think Kirby smart will agree with anybody that there is a lot to improve on this Georgia team. Um, and then South Carolina, I mean, I think they were the team that they showed that they were. I think they have the ability to score points, but you know they're just not at that uh, at the same level as Georgia yet. But um, they're definitely closing the gap a little bit. I think they played a lot better than they did a year ago. Spencer Rattler's just got to be consistent, I think. I mean, consistency is the key there. They weren't able to score in the second half, and that's what ends up doing them in.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you about that because that was one of the things that I touched on in the preview pod was that Spencer Rattler, when he's being pressured, Not nearly as good as when he has a clean pocket to throw from. Now, that's the case for most quarterbacks, but his numbers are really bad when you're able to get some pressure on him. And I was pretty impressed with how Georgia was able to kind of dial up some pressure and get some heat on Rattler, especially there in the second half. And we saw that forced him to make some throws that he probably shouldn't have made as Georgia was able to come away with a few interceptions there in the second half. What did you think about um, the defense and how we were able to get a little bit of pressure and force him into some errors?
1: Yeah. I mean, we didn't think we'd have Javon Bullard back on defense. He's able to play. I think we were able to dial up some pressure, which is something that we've been kind of wondering, is Georgia able to do? There's no Jordan Davis. There's, uh, you know, all these big dudes on the, in the front seven that we've been losing to the draft or Let's go ahead and say Georgia's been losing to the draft not we it's not like we're playing here. Um we were wondering are you going to be able to You reload, run out there on Saturday? You know what what's the pass rush going to look like? Obviously Georgia's run defense is just as good as they have been the past few years. I don't see any issue with the run defense, but it, are are they able to get some pressure on the quarterback in those obvious passing situations? Right. I think I think it's a willingness to have the play calls go that way. I, I think I think the personnel is there. They have to dial it up in the right moment. I think maybe they dialed it up sometimes when maybe they shouldn't have as much. There are a couple times they sent five, six guys, and then you know, the easy screen to the running back or receiver breaks South Carolina open for a big gain. Um so they're It's there, but it's got to be fine-tuned, and I think the play calling's got to be a little bit better for them to really be able to showcase it.
0: I like it. No, I agree. I'm really interested to watch this team going forward and how they can kind of build off of a slow but promising start on both sides of the ball. All right, let's head to our final pick of the Saturday Six for this past weekend. Another upset, one that you didn't see coming. Mm-mm. but I did. I'm just going to put it out there. You locked this one up. You had number 11, Tennessee, going on the road to the swamp, and the final score in this one is the home team, the Gators, coming out victorious. 29-16 to 16 is the final score here. My biggest takeaway is this Florida rushing attack, and Travis Etienne is the real deal. Now, Graham Mertz didn't play his best game. He was he was efficient, but it was a lot of short passes. They weren't really asking him to throw the ball downfield. But, again, he didn't really need to because ETN had 172 yards on 23 carries. Now, one of those was a 62-yard run, so that kind of you know boosts those stats a little bit higher. But uh, I was really impressed with the way that this offensive line was able to get a push against that soft interior of that Tennessee defense. And, um, like you touched on, you know, Joe Milton in the last podcast and, um, how great of a a arm talent he is, but we kind of saw some of those accuracy questions come into play here on the road and, uh, Tennessee in the end, just not able to score enough points against this Florida team.
1: Yeah. You touched on Florida really well, not for Tennessee. I I think, I mean, a night game in the swamp is tough. I don't care what team it is. A night game in the swamp is tough. Um, but the one thing that I really came away with, and you know, Milton is a very talented quarterback, but not when he's pressured and has to go outside of the pocket. He has not scored a single touchdown while on the move. He becomes probably one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks when he's pressured outside of the pocket and has to start moving with his legs. He has some wheels on him so he can take off and run, but when he is on the run, he's always thrown off of his back foot. A lot of times he's thrown across his body, across the field, which you tell you ask any offensive coordinator, any quarterbacks coach in the country. And they're going to tell you, you better fucking not unless excuse my language. They're going to tell you, you better not unless you're Patrick Mahomes, because it's, it's such a dangerous thing to do. And he's just not very good at that. So there's some fine tuning to go there. I did not see this one going the way that it did. I think, Tennessee had a much better shot, but yeah, that, that Florida rushing attack was legit. You know, they've got some things to clean up in the passing attack too. Um, Cram Mertz is uh, an interesting take at quarterback, I guess, but yeah, every SEC team at this point is getting into the heart of their SEC schedule. And we're going to find out even more about what each of these teams have within the next couple weeks here. Um, I think there'll be a lot better insight after we know who's who.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, you touched on Milton pretty well there. Two turnovers, that's definitely not gonna help when Florida is able to kind of run the ball and and make this a slower a game so that. You know, Tennessee doesn't get a ton of possessions. They like to go fast. They like to spread you out. They like to go fast. They like to get a lot of possessions to maximize how many points they can get. And they were not able to do that, turning the ball over a couple of times and really not able to establish a run game. That was my key for both of these teams, which one is able to establish a run game to take some pressure off of the quarterback. Florida checked that box. Tennessee did not. And that's why the Gators get the big upset win at home. I think it's been like 20-something years since Tennessee has won two straight against Florida. So uh, definitely definitely got some more work if you're Josh Heupel and the volunteers heading into next week. All right, that's it, man. Six games. We both went 3-3 three and three and even 500 against the spread. Did a little bit better picking these games straight up. Like I said, a couple of upsets that nobody really saw coming. But that's why we love college football, right? It's always interesting. There's always something that you're not expecting coming down. So, um, great week of college football. Looking forward to picking six more games with you this coming week. Should have a great week four to bring to you guys. So, um, any final thoughts from you, brother, before we wrap this one up?
1: That's about it. Hit us up on the socials. Give us a follow. Like some content. And until next time.
0: Until next time, from my brother, Tyler, I am A.J., And this was another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast.